again and welcome to episode 3 of Persians, the podcast. A great many of the Greek tragedies that have survived the lottery of time are named for their choruses. The Bacchae, the women of Troy, the libation bearers, and of course, the Persians. Nowadays, a chorus of 12 or 15 performers seems an expensive luxury and a producer's nightmare. You might see such a company in a well-funded Broadway musical, but it's less likely elsewhere. Even by the time Shakespeare decided to put a chorus in plays like Henry V, he wrote it to be performed by a single speaker. We have to bear in mind that the chorus is where it all started. Greek drama developed from complicated, beautiful choral dances that were known as dithyrams, and the famous story goes that a performer called Thespis was the first to step out of the line of dancers and begin a dialogue, and so drama was born. What's important is that the chorus is the beating heart of it all. There are a great many features that appear in several Greek plays, and indeed in the Persians we have some that appear nowhere else, but every single one of them comedy or tragedy, has a chorus. Nowadays, our focus and even our attention might be drawn to different parts of a play, particularly if there's a star actor involved, but for a Greek audience, the chorus was one of the main attractions. Here's Edith Hall again on how excited the audience would have been for the chorus. They were the absolute heart and soul of it, and from that point of view, I think I always feel it's a bit more like our modern idea of the musical, because were actually, you were, they were actually waiting for the next big song and dance number. That, that was the highlight. People today tend to want to get back just to the single actors talking and, and regard the choruses as a bit of a nuisance. That is absolutely not how the ancient Greeks saw it. They wanted these choruses and they trained for months. They trained for six months. Incredible drill to make sure that they were highly synchronized um, and, and, and singing perfectly in unison. No, it was, it was, it, everybody who's ever, you know, been in a chorus line knows how difficult it is to sing and dance at the same time, left alone, synchronously with everybody else. As mentioned, the chorus would have trained for six months before the performance within the city's theatre festival. Being a part of a chorus was something of a civic duty, and, as Oliver Taplin now explains, it could cost quite a lot of money. The chorus will more or less uh, requisition kept, you know, their, their, their accommodation, their food, their time was paid for by the by the rich citizen, by in this in this case by by Pericles, um, as well as their costumes and their masks, um, um, all prepared over the course of the winter, ready for this big big event in the spring. Young men of conscription age would have been called up to be a part of a chorus at least once, and so a huge proportion of the theatre-going public would probably have this experience at some point in their lives. As civic duties go, it would probably be more fun than being on a jury, and if your production was the winner in the festival, you could brag about it for the rest of your life. But a huge, huge amount of work went into it. The chorus sang... They danced in what were very sophisticated and complicated arrangements. And of course, they had a story to tell. Since so many plays were based on the same material, the same stories, the same mythologies, it was often up to the playwright to find a new spin on an old tale. 
For the audience watching the first performance of the Persians, it must have been intriguing to see the chorus processing into the theatre, ready to perform the first portion of the play. The chorus is made up of the elders of Persia, a kind of advisory council that have been selected for their wisdom. They are now too old to fight, and so they've been left behind. Aeschylus introduces the play, and the spin he's going to put on this story, with an extraordinary list of names, a catalogue of all the great generals and leaders that processed across Persia to attack Greece. On paper, and certainly these days, such a list might seem a bit lifeless, but it's anything but just a list. The names are mentioned because they have gone to fight for their country, and this is how they can be remembered. Here's Edith Hall again. The, the, the idea, the problem with list is, is very much a, a device of an overly literate society. Uh, if, you, if you listen to Homer, it's absolutely packed with lists. Lists are how catalogues of ships and things. That's how people remember things in an oral society. Uh, and, and Greek tragedy is absolutely not, was not written to be read. As in Homer and in our play, lists also feature in traditional Irish storytelling and mythology. You can trace a family through a list of names, who fought in the battle, who was at a great meeting, and so on. So the list of names that the Persian elders shares is important. It gives a sense of the breadth of the whole empire, from India to Egypt, and the variety of peoples that are under Persian control and who came together to fight. Xerxes must have caught quite a dash as his huge army made its journey to the west, allowing all the peoples of the empire to see his might as he passed. Here in Ireland, we're a rather smaller country, but despite this, we have an unusually high number of accents and dialects. Perhaps it's because we love to talk so much that our identity is very much woven into the way we speak, and in Irish, there are numerous very distinct regional dialects from the north, the south, the west and the east. The actors who will be performing the Persians are from all over Ireland and so you'll hear a variety of accents. Consider this our little nod to the expanse of Persian experience. Here now is the first speech of this Persian chorus, the old men who are assembled in one of the four capital cities, Susa. Dr. Jill Shori na Bershach Oranya, na Persi ata emiha chuntir na Grege, agusus kuiv norishen eran balas rachmasach lienta lehor, is e antir na Cersis fein on ri e fein makle Darius araunishen, javar bua ar shinsherachta chunsul a chamed ed a reim, achana fein. Tan cri in our lor, Buara harmeon eg tuor na tabushte. Tamut fui vort gomor adiv ille onri, agus a arim, fui yermi orga, martan hocht ille a rugus an osh, agus buinta navar og, agus fos, nil tachtere ed bitje chos, no er hapel, taka. The chorus explains that they are the faithful elders of the country 
chosen by Xerxes to oversee the golden palace he has left behind. They've come together because they are worried, troubled at the lack of news from the Persian forces. They say no messenger has come back yet, on horseback or on foot. Now they list the great men who have travelled in that horde from cities all across the empire. The men have left the Persian strongholds of Susa, Agbatana and Kisia, and cities as diverse as Memphis, Thebes and Babylon. If you'd like to read along in English, there is a translation on the website, persiansthepodcast.com, but don't worry. You don't need to know where all these men came from or what weapons they were famous for. Just listen to the sheer expanse of the army. Jimmy Derlow, Egg in Susa, Agus Egg Batana, Agus Dunfort Aurus Kissia. Jimmy Derlow, Quijaku Ed Wing Kapal, Quijelaku Alonga, Quijelaku the Hul Nagos, Egg Glushacht Gustadera, and Yermi Deloha Kogi. Lame Fer Huntossi, Erhoma Amastres, Agus Arten Franes, Megabates agus asbates, canary na bersach. Rihe atafi yelshine on ordri. Quivnoidi na hol arnia, loch da horhe said agus bau. Marquee gan hoen. Scan rule for your agus da horhe amon kaha, the war dilshach dawin agud mishni. Agus artem bares. Ob gila carabuit, agus masistris, agus imius ursel, doch litel and the wawa, agus farandakes, agus sostanes, eg bagert a huit kapel. Awin moor agus horhul nanila, the lixia hilaku honshul, susisganes, agus fagastagon a rugus in Egypt. Agus ar sarmes gri on reelahoid ed Memphis nifa, agus ariomardos on governoid ed Hebes orsa, agus ravadoidi komasacha os nabogihe, slua gan oidif. Lam dirmi the winter lydia yed, dina a wairan fui ho, agus ataoganas ed winter illen na hilchrihe. Yad tokachon keen eg mitragatis agus arteos ursil. Tierney Riola agus all tashki or chahir sartis. Toshiet sitte an illamite carabot dirmi moradiv. Quidaku a garabit fuira folla, quidaku fuiti, Ryark scanruliad lebranuaru. Ta otrahori to molus nifa ek brewerai, ek saw king on dirsha ishdarsigreg. Mardon, agus Tarabis, Ro Inyon on Lansa, agus Loch Missia, Nishlo Edrum, agus an Vopel, et ha seven an oar. Couldn't she hugging a dear ma father, father loch, the Luitia, the Gachem Tice, more nearly on Yumperig Boyd, agus Yachu, the Hurin Munin in the Schill, agus a Mishnach, Neshamawa. O Gachem Ord. Than Osh, Yanan Travkushi, Egfara on Hleve, the war glee, Ophir on Morri. Shahiat Blah Navar, 
blå tir färsche att ta emihe lo tir omla nahasche achahiet ta shet vi khu agus bron omblon e kui en nye le game na khrua e koirev na lehanta e kre jerer mara emion on amshir vaj All of Asia, they say, the mother that nurtured them, grieves anxiously for these men. Parents, wives, counting the days and worrying as these days add up. This first segment of the play is to introduce us to the location of the story. The chorus establishes that we are in Susa, that they're waiting for news of the conflict, and that they're nervous that things might not have gone well. Next, the chorus reminds us of what they do know of the battle so far. They describe how the king's powerful army conquered the Hellespont with a pontoon bridge and crossed over into the lands they meant to conquer. Back and forth, the chorus describes how the Persian army is almighty and its men are brave. Adam and Ri eskrisen kaharacha. Tashi Hanahain, Imihe Saul, Her Halna Gorson, Erin Tivella, Egtras no Nakile, a enim nature in ye helle, in in Atmas, Er Rohud, Pontoon, Kangle Tele Hele, Le Ropi Lean, Ekur Scornoch Namara, Fui Hing, Le Bohor, Fui Volte Dangene. Canner a Rabach Nahaisha, Liam Teledine. Taman in shared at Navi. A gunnagach tear a raw gushacht. Tashka will she er ho va leshnadehe. Isko rugge de reed and forged orga. Couldn't she munin in a chanadi dana, aga stubborn alta, er muish is er tear. Kanche on a hula. Fired Horacha on Maher Nive Warafi, Le Hillemud Saidur Agus Morhud Mornialoch, Brustin Shea Harabut Siriach, Egtroru Arius, Eta Armaha Lena Wawa, a Gunifir Holulan Malan. Nilene, Davede a Krogacht Gerfedelesh, Shasav a Gunitilia Ho Moor Sondarine. Agazida Hahavda le Cosenti Lodge. Ta on ton Fadiger to Hodge. Neil Chorda le Hadam the Bershach, Agasta a Muncher Kroge in a Grihe. These are wise counsellors, of course, and they have already told us that they are apprehensive. So now they point out that fate cannot be trusted. And that when calamity casts her nets, what mortal can escape? Achan den a diana, Gurfedelesh Elo, ned a wellen on dia clanet. Ketaha hakli, Gurfedelesh lane as in shee. Le munteris, Baroilath smaden on anachin erin den a diani, agaspragane ishtach in the lienta. We get three more sets of back and forth verses now, as the chorus explains just how apprehensive they're feeling. 
what will happen if Persia is defeated and their men die? Marfado Riev, Lejonu Nanyeha, Vueren Hinunt and Love Water, Agasog Ordu does na Persi, Tort for Yahogi, Eskris and Fali, Le Forum Ruella na Markach, Agasilagan Gotalha, na Kaharacha. Aganishtait tre suila haha ver remus na hegine. On voyage, Madaver, Bosha, Lahna, Hegbanu, Fui, Rui, Hruig, is Muninaka in Snaka, Bli, Tani, a Krahig, Han Pasashte, a yen of dustna fish. Shinenfa, go will robe, Dova Machri, Straka, Eggshkevle. Oh, Aram, Nebershach. Er agla gamachdun fort moor susa falla er ruine is gaglashachshi on gleach. Agas gaganhach kahet kisia evregada ooo. Shine madigame hikna sluite ban agas eda straka a guni lien edig. Marthan Makra Omlon is the Koshihe er Homus Sahibach. Bali hello, le Canada on Adam. Toshiat Emihasol, Gudian Ilchi Hele. Toreshan Arage, a Hurfui Hing, Idrohion Tide. Ta le Pacha Posta er Myers le Jorda Agasle, Duil Hunfuchele. Gach ban persha chaskil chun shul e keile gash gieg. Tash i fakahe inne hernas, fui ring und fosta, eg eev let nuchint da fad. This last section is a particularly meaningful portion of the text, as the chorus foresees the fate of all of the women left behind. Every marriage bed is half empty, soaked with the tears of every Persian woman newly widowed all of them aching with the loss of their husbands, their powerful departed warriors. Having given us this already moving image of what it might have been like for all these people left behind, the chorus gets back to the business at hand. Conestanihe, a dolphin king, Donri, Xerxes, Macdarius. Will in love and water, Fachte, Egan Mau, Taringhe, no will in boa, Fachte, Egan Lan, Berch, Shachogin, and Vandrian, Mohir and Ri, Maravach Lonir, O Hule, Nanyehe, Ulimi Trimpe. Agus's maid dun Ievanu le faulty gala. They have come together to check in, perhaps to discuss what might have happened and what may yet befall. Before they get any further with this business, the queen of all Persia appears. But we'll save her entrance and her first scene for tomorrow night. Persians, the podcast is created and presented by me, Connor Hanretty, and produced by Maura O'Keefe. Signature music is by Mel Mercier, and tonight you heard contributions from Oliver Taplin and Edith Hall, and performances by Breedy Nachten and Katrina Nivaraku as the chorus. The project is supported by the Arts Council of Ireland on Corla Aline. 
You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And there's more information at persiansthepodcast.com. I hope you'll join us again tomorrow. Ihoa. Mm-hmm.